Hey everybody, Dan here from the lab. Just wanted to take a quick moment to announce that we are now proud members of the Crit Nation community, so please go listen to our friends over at Crit Academy Podcast. Uh, they are available on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, wherever you get your podcasts. They release every single Wednesday, and if you subscribe today, you can listen to Garen and I go show v show against Crit Academy, where we build a creature or a character, and put it up against their best character, and see whose baby is better. So, please be sure to give them a listen and subscribe, uh, and I won't waste any more of your time. Enjoy the show! Welcome to the D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast, with your hosts... Karen and Dan. All right, welcome to the D&D Character Lab, a show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each and every week, as you know, we create a new character to, uh, and bring them to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content. This week, it's Cobalt, and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It's then up to us to use our charisma modifiers to convince one another that the character we've created is better. I'm Garen. And I'm Dan. And as Dan mentioned, these are Cobalt characters. We are using content that we pulled from Cobalt Press, their Deep Magic series, which are fantastic supplements, each one themed around a different type of magic. Yeah, there are 13 modules in total, and let me tell you, get all 13. <laughs> so good. Well, this also marks the end of our contest. If you've been following us on Twitter, today this airs on Wednesday the 8th. We will also be giving away one copy of each of the modules that Dan and I have chosen for our spellcasters this week. I would just like to take the opportunity to thank Wolfgang Bauer over at Cobalt Press. He has agreed to do a, a giveaway uh, on these modules, and you know we are extremely humbled that uh, he even replied to our email. So That is absolutely true. <laughs> we are huge fans. We own a lot of their content. You guys should, too. That is we the author of Tome of Beasts, by the way. Yes, so, yeah, the guy. The guy. Wolfgang, if you're listening, we're honored again. Yeah. And guys, this is just one of the publishers out there that Dan and I are huge fans of. We want to branch into other content as we go along, and we definitely will in some way, shape, or form. So if you haven't looked into all the great third-party stuff out there, you are cheating yourself because, yes, you could play forever with just the amazing stuff Wizards created, but especially when it comes to bonus spells like this, it just flavors it a little a little extra nice. I agree, but uh, what better way to venture in the world of third-party content than the head honcho themselves, Cobalt Press? Yes. So, yes. Garen, this week, who do you have for your spellcaster for the Deep Magic series? Dan, I am so excited about this about this baby I've created. We rolled and we did a minimum of level 10. This is a level 10 character. And this high elf, a member of an elite faction of I'm not gonna say mercenaries because they're not they don't you don't bring them in for your battles. You bring them in when you need to save your bacon. When someone's about to take your bacon right off the table, leave your eggs baconless, these are your guys you pull in. They're called the Bone Gate. They have protected cities and villages, forest temples, and these soldiers, these heroes, are all elite in their ability to be the last wall between an onslaught of terror and that bacon. Or that baby, or that baby holding. So that no one, no one bacon. can break. No one can break through the bone gate. Is what you're saying? No one comes through this bone gate. Not today. Not tomorrow. Oh wow! <laughs> I love it. Okay. Romel Birchtier. 
this high elf. Now imagine this this soldier, this this spellcaster, throwing up huge magic walls to prevent damage coming upon the innocent. Magic Bone Gates? The Bone Gate is the name of the faction. Oh, sorry, sorry. He would if he could. He currently doesn't have that spell in his repertoire, but yeah. he's been working on it. He's been researching to actually make a Bone Gate. But Rommel can do all sorts of things. And when his magic fails him, or when he just sees too much horrible going on on the battlefield, he stops throwing around spells. He picks up his great axe, and he charges into the center of that battle with a fury unlike anything you've ever seen. He is a wizard, level 8, barbarian level 2. He is a faction agent, he is neutral good, and he has taken this home for Garen. Wow. All right. So uh, what module of the uh, Deep Magic series are you using? Battle Magic. Very cool. Rommel is a battle master. This guy lives and dies on the battlefield, but he's yet to die because he's just that good. <laughs> well, uh, that's intriguing. However, again, no match for Daniel Robbins. You named him after yourself? This is, well, it's my baby. This, this is so narcissistic already. My last name isn't Robbins, friendo. Daniel Robbins is a Dampier blood sorcerer. My hold friend. up, hold up. So a Dampier, if you folks don't know, is a half vampire? Half vampire. And you took that from another Cobalt publication. I took that from another Cobalt publication. So uh, this is from their Unlikely Heroes publication. I highly recommend it. It's full of races that you can uh, use. And I'm going to show you exactly why the Dampier is one of the coolest races. And this is one of the coolest characters you will ever play. Dan, I'm so proud you're finally cheating. Yeah. So Daniel is the son of an extremely powerful vampire king known as Mor Mordok Sam Lemaire and uh, his half-elf queen wife. And Mordok actually perished uh, in Toril when Daniel was quite young by a coup of people that were not quite fans of his of his reign. Well, vampire reign is not a great vampire reign. reign is yeah, it's usually bloody reign. But you know, he, as he grew up, uh, he was very close to his mother. And being a half vampire, uh, Daniel never really understood the ways of of humans. He never really understood them. Never was able to really relate to them. So he actually had to learn the ways of the human children around him, learn their mannerisms. Better yet, he had to learn what they liked, what made them tick so that he could manipulate them. He learned to be charismatic. And so while in adolescence, Daniel was approached by a mysterious sorcerer who claimed to know everything there was to know about his infamous father, Mordok. And he had always heard very positive and legendary stories of his father, but this sorcerer claimed that this was not the case. Daniel tried to ignore him, stating that this man didn't have any validity to his claims. Where did he approach this young vampire boy? Walking to school. He was walking to, he was a, walking he to goes, human he, school. He was going, hey, hey, over here. And I'm going to show you why this I'm is... I'm going to tell you about your dad. Yeah, and I'm going to show you why this is creepy. He didn't believe him until he showed him his dad's teeth. His upper fangs. He had him. Like around his neck as a no, necklace? No, no, no. He had him. He had him in his hand. Just holding him in his yep. hand. Yep, and he goes, hey, these are your dad's teeth. I I know. And, and, and Daniel immediately felt this connection to these teeth, right? Oh. And... He had claimed that Daniel, too, had these dark and magical powers and that he could teach him how to harness them to protect himself and his mother uh, as there is a coup of rogue adventurers heading to Toril as we speak, looking to finish them off to prevent a re the respawning of the Syrophage magic via Daniel, the prince. Over time, Daniel began to skip school to go to the sorcerer's lair and harness his innate powers, focusing intently on his ability to exsanguinate and manipulate the blood of those who should ever pose a threat to him or his mother. On occasion, though, Daniel will experience a, par a spark of madness and dream of a time where 
he and his mother could once again rule over Toril. This is believed to be derived from his father's fangs, which he wears around a necklace at all times. This, he is, he has the background of inher inheritor, and his inheritance well, yeah. are the fangs. Um, he is a Syrophage origin sorcerer, and he's ready to bang. So he is blood magic. Blood magic. All right, so Dan has chose a blood magic. I have chose battle magic, and... When Daniel Robbins seeks to take the mantle of his father and achieve the throne, you know who's going to stop him? Who's that? The Bone Gate. The Bone Gate. These are the guys who are going to stop that I didn't know happening. the Bone Gate was so impenetrable, but... Oh my gosh. Impossible to get through the Bone Gate. Yeah. And I'm not just ribbing you. No, no. We're, yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. So anyway, since these bones have already been exsanguinated, let's uh, do a little bit more damage. Go to melee. I'm going to start. The battle begins. What what kind of melee does a, a Dampier uh, sorcerer have? Not much. Arguing a negative one. Uh, strength of 10. He has a dagger attack. He has something called dark thirst. So if a target is incapacitated or grappled, he can bite them, dealing out just one damage, and then drink their blood, dealing out the damage equal to his charisma modifier, which is plus four. That is dealt out as necrotic damage. So that is his melee. Dagger attack, strength of 10, but he also has the he necrotic. He uses a dagger strength-based? Well, you sure you don't want to change that to dex-based dagger? Uh, as a matter of fact, it is a dex-based dagger. 1d4 plus 2 piercing, his dex modifier is 2. So yes, it is a finesse weapon. So we'll go with dex. I think we all knew that except you. So what are you arguing for your melee attack here? Negative 1. Oh, okay, okay. So you're not really arguing. You're, you're just accepting. You're, you're thinking you're going to come back strong later on this. I guess so. All right, you get your negative one to start. What are you bringing? Well, as Rommel is part barbarian, he can definitely wield a great axe, which a plus six to hit, and that's a 1d8 or 1d10 if he uses both hands, plus two, his strength modifier is a two, and he has rage with rage damage, which is a plus two while he's raging, and he can also do a reckless attack for advantage. I think this is an easy plus one for this wizard. Ooh, arguing plus one. Mm -hmm. um, so because you have battle magic, I'm gonna I'm gonna save that roll for the more pertinent times that you may have in control or burninating. So. so I bought myself this one with those barbarian levels. Yeah, you sure did. Yeah, I did. You sure did. And you know what, I'm just gonna go ahead and argue a plus one on ranged as well because I've got javelins and all the same things that I mentioned before, that bonus rage damage. A plus one? Yeah. One, Javelin? One d6 plus no, two. absolutely not. Javelin. It's a 1d6. How, how many do you have? I have six. You have six? Mm -hmm. you just came up with that? Yeah. No, yeah. I have six. You got six. Okay. No. Are they made out of bones? Are bone they bone, javelins. Are they bone javelins? They're bone javelins. Yes. Um, I'm no. glad you mentioned that yeah, because I, I was going to neglect to mention they are hill giant femur bones. That's pretty cool. We're going to gonna give you a zero though. Yeah. Javelin Javelin will give you a zero. Not even not even because I made up the hill giant part? I no, can't I, get a I, came up, I came up with the bone javelin so <laughs> you can give me an extra point. I think if we check the record, I'm the one who obviously mentioned they were bone javelins uh-huh i'm gonna argue a zero i have proficiency with a crossbow which gives me plus six to hit i have one d8 plus two damage and i'm proficient with a dart however you got a plus one i'm sorry you also got a, you got a zero but um i'm going to argue a plus one because i'm dealing out more damage no you're gonna get a zero i'm gonna get i'm, I'm getting more damage you're gonna get a zero i got more da i'm getting more damage out. you're gonna get a zero now i think i'm gonna i think I'm gonna we get a actually plus one. are getting about the even amount of damage because i have rage damage but i also have the chance you're to not get gonna advantage. use rage damage on a javelin i could you're recycling material, and you're not going to use rage. You use rage damage. all the time in battle. You're not getting a one. You're not getting a one for a light crossbow. Okay, get real here. All right, zero. Back down, vampire boy. Zero. Wait till the fangs come out, bro. All right, Wesley Snipes, what do you got for burninating? 
Plus two. Ten sorcery points. I have Bloodshot. Okay? Let me tell you something. I'm so excited for this spell. Bloodshot allows me to launch a jet of boiling blood from my eyes at a target within 40 feet of me. I personally take 1d6 necrotic damage and make a ranged spell attack against the target. If the attack hits, the target takes 2d10 fire damage plus 2d8 psychic damage. If it's cast at a higher level, the fire damage increases by 1d10 for each spell slot above second, which I of course would use it at a higher level. I also have caustic blood, which my blood becomes caustic when it's exposed to the air. When I take damage, I can use my reaction to select up to three targets within 30 feet of me and each target takes 1d10 acid damage unless it makes a successful dexterity saving throw that of course when cast at a, a higher level uh, of third level or higher uh, it increases by 1d10 for each uh, level that i cast it above that you 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 s snaked right past that you mentioned this awesome shooting blood out of, my, out of your eyes ability and then you just go right into the next spell i mean we need to let that breathe for a moment you're shooting blood. Well, you don't. You don't want to. Well, you don't want to let the blood breathe for too long because it will clot. What do you feel about boiling blood that deals out fire damage? That's pretty intense. It, it's it, awesome. Boiling out of your eyes. Boiling. No eyeball damage. Just a little necrotic damage because you're losing the blood. Sure. And if you take cumidin, does it shoot farther? Oh uh, no! It would. It would just be more like like boiling oil because it thins it out a little bit. But we got to be careful. We got to get some PTI and R's, you know, to make sure that the blood doesn't get too thin. Uh huh. Shout out to my nurse peeps. We're gonna continue, I have Chill Touch, is a cantrip. I have Weapon of Blood. Uh, when I cast this spell, I inflict 1d4 slashing damage on myself that cannot be healed until after the blade created by this spell is destroyed or the spell ends. The trickling blood then transforms into a dagger of red metal that functions as a plus one dagger. Oh. So cool. Oh, so you make a blood dagger. But this is a first level spell, so this is important to note that when when used at a, in a third level spell slot, the self-inflicted wound deals out 3d4 slashing damage, and the spell produces a plus two dagger. When I use this at a sixth level, which I don't have, it would then become a plus two dagger of wounding. It's just a really cool spell. I love that you're hurting yourself in all of this. If it's blood magic, you have to be costing your own blood. Absolutely. And that's very thematically appropriate. That's why your damage is so high. That's uh, So you wanted a plus two. Are, you, are uh, you done? We're not done. Oh, boy. Doom of Dancing Blades. It basically mimics. It's, it's sort of like Cloud of Daggers, but uh -huh, it, it uh -huh. mimics what my weapon looks like and follows me around in a cloud around me. And like then, a puppy. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. It's a it's a puppy cloud. It's basically, so if you're wielding a puppy, it would be a, a blood puppy cloud. Basically, it mirrors the weapon that I'm holding, but follows you around. So that's how it's thematically different than Cloud of Daggers. And then I also have Doom of oh, Serpent boy. Coils. I drink a dose of venom or other poison that through unholy power of my dark god can spread the effect to other living things around me. If the poison normally allows a saving throw, you fail it automatically. You suffer the effect of poison normally before spreading the poison to all other living creatures within 10 feet of me. Instead of making the usual saving throw against the poison, creatures around me make a constitution saving throw against the spell. A target whose saving throw succeeds suffers no damage or other effect from the poison and is immune to further castings of this spell for 24 hours. If they fail, they don't take the poison's usual effect. They take 4d6 poison damage and are poisoned. Wow. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. And then I also have Exsanguinating Cloud. Oh, for crying out loud. No, it's oh, for crying out cloud. Exsanguinating cloud. When I use this spell, a rose-colored mist billows up from the spot that I indicate within range, obscuring sight and draining blood from living creatures. The cloud spreads around corners. It lasts for the duration or until a strong wind disperses it, ending the spell. 
any creature in the cloud when it's created or at the start of a turn takes 6d6 necrotic damage and gains one level of exhaustion. A successful con save throw halves the damage and prevents the exhaustion. Wow. Yeah. What level is that? That's a fifth level spell. Oh, of course. That was a lot of damage. Yes. Jimmy Christmas. So right. I get that plus two then. You know what? I'm going to make you roll because you're being cocky. Okay. And you had all these cool spells, so this a, feels like the... I have a plus four to charisma. This is a beautiful time for me to make you roll. You're going to fail this. 17. Oh, I rolled a 17 plus four. It's a 21. I'll take that plus two. I'll take your plus two. I've wasted my roll. All right. So what do you have? I am also going to be getting a plus two on this because I have got some pretty juicy spells on my side. Now, you're all excited about your burning blood. How about burning oil? Boiling oil. A level two conjuration spell. I create a thirty pool. I create a thirty. You foot create thirty pools. Yes, it's refreshing. Mm -hmm. I create a thirty foot. That's diameter good ally pool. assist. Good, good ally assist. We'll get to that, but it's adult swim only. Oh, this pool of boiling oil on the battlefield. Anybody that steps in it or starts their turn in it gets deep roll. fried. Exactly. They have to roll. A dex save. If they fail it, they take 3d8 fire damage and fall prone. So you burn your feet and fall down into the oil, mm -hmm. which is even worse. It's kind of like grease. Like it is, grease like, but, it's, but it's on fire. Yeah. Well, it's boiling. Boiling grease. And you get half as much damage if you pass the dex save. Yada, yada. 3d8 you didn't mention fire that, damage. But you didn't mention that this guy worked at Burger King prior to his battlefield experience. Well, it helps. This sort of experience, because he has a battle his way. Ah, uh, yes. I was, I was going to use that. Too slow! I also have Poison Volley, drawing back an imaginary bowstring. I summon forth dozens of glowing green arrows that shower my enemies. All enemies in a 20-foot square range. That's a lot of distance. 3d8 poison damage, and they become poisoned. Creatures on a con save take half as much damage if they're successful. I also have... The Battlecaster feat, which allows me to use my Battle Axe, my Great Axe, as my arcane focus. So I don't need to have a free hand to be doing any magic. I channel the energy through my axe. And if I get a magic weapon, for the record, if I have magic weapon... Which this character does not, but go ahead. But I'm just adding how cool this feat is. If I get a magic weapon, the magic weapon damage is applied to every single spell I cast. Very cool. Bonus damage all the time. And I have Thunderous Wave, which... I basically pin up, pick a point, and from that point, everyone has to roll a save, or they're thrown away, like Thunder Wave without the damage. But if they hit like anything... Thunder Wave without the damage. All right, yes. so this is great burninating. Yes. Let me... Control! Control! <clears throat> Sorry. There is great control to that, but I don't need it. Because if they hit something, they are all knocked prone, 15 feet and knocked prone. If they hit something, it's 2d6 bludgeoning damage. Imagine you're in a dungeon, and you open a door and it's a room full of skeletons. Boom, right in the center of that room, they all smack against the walls. You've won this battle before it started. Yeah, fantastic. Um, fantastic, aggressive charisma. However, this isn't burninating because they aren't taking magic damage. So 2d6 bludgeoning damage from getting thrown against the wall. Bludgeoning damage Yeah, from hitting a wall. You're damn right. Yep, not burninating. So um, what else did you have? Anything? Uh, that is enough. Oh, it's not enough for a plus for a, two. No, it's not, my That's friend. enough for a plus two. No, I rattled off several spells. Um, no, you're going to get a plus one on that. Oh, wow. Yeah, what a I am. shame. Okay. How about control? My turn for control. You try this every time where you try and take control of the control category. It's not going to be I'm get taking you control two. of this control. All right. Because you know what I've got? I've got several fantastic battle magic spells. Let's start with outflanking Boon. I create an illusion next to an enemy. They got to make a wisdom save. If they fail, that illusion makes attacks against the enemy 
which confuses them and all of my allies get advantage on attacks against them because they are distracted by this illusion that appeared before them. And he's like really sexy too. Oh, the yeah. illusion is sexy? Yeah, he's stripped to the waist. He's he's glistening with sweat. Whoa. And he's wielding a rapier. And that's what's just so distracting to the enemy. Sure. So they... Sexy rapier? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. I also have... So you're already convinced on this plus two, right? I'm half-masked. I also have Hobble Mount, which allows me to any creature that is deemed a mount by the DM. The affected creature, if it tries to move, it takes 2d6 bludgeoning damage. So it effectively does not let a horse or a riding dog or a wolf, or if you're riding a bear, good for you. The thing can't move now. Otherwise, its legs get tangled up underneath it and it falls. It doesn't say it falls, but it's got to fall. It's hobbled. Falls. I also have adjust position and reposition. Adjust position allows me to move one of my friends, a willing creature, five feet. I can, without provoking opportunity attacks, I can move them around something, into a better spot, away from somebody. Pretty good allies is decent control. And I have reposition where three friendly creatures can be moved 30 feet. I like that. All at once. They teleport to an unoccupied space. I like that. So that is like... Oh, we're outflanked? Let me control the situation, put all my boys behind the bad guys. That's superb control. That is that is possibly one of my favorite battle magic spells. That's a level four conjuration. That can be cast as a bonus action. Oh god. Yeah. Wow. Love that spell. And it's just it. verbal. That's all I need. Just that verbal I say, hey guys, go over there. And pew, boom, they're all behind him. Beautiful. So that's super duper control. I also have counterspell if you need counterspell, but I think I deserve a plus two. I do like that, and I think you earned that plus two. Thank you. Uh, you will roll. You're going to make me roll on this Absolutely. one? Absolutely. It's my strongest category, I yeah. think. Let's see what I got. You're going to get a plus one. Come on, baby. Oh, um, I have a negative one to charisma. I didn't mention that Romel is a battle guy. Yeah, is, they don't have charisma. He doesn't no, have any friends. No, no, no. He, didn't have a, he doesn't care about friends. He's grizzled. No, he, the most he makes grizzled a, character He I've makes an met. image of somebody who's far more charismatic and attractive. I he rolled, rolled an 18, 18, which is a 17. I got it. Oh, God. Oh, that was beautiful. Well, you get that plus two. Yes, I do. Uh, oh, so, that was hard fought. So for control, okay? I have a plus four to charisma, which we'll get to. But the guy is hot. I didn't mention that. So Dampier, it says in the Cobalt text, they are very attractive folks. Is he sexier than my illusion? He is, uh, I have actually on the character sheet, which you can get at dndcharacterlab.com, I put a picture of Andrew Garfield in a suit. <laughs> well played. We've never had pictures on these before. <laughs> so it's controls, it's control for the ladies and the gents, I think. <laughs> I think that's it, control. So I have empowered spell. I can spend one sorcery point to reroll up to four spell damage dice. I have Quicken Spell. I can convert a spell that requires one action casting time to a casting time of a bonus action by spending two sorcery points. I have Blood Fuel, which means that I can slash myself as my move action, inflicting, inflicting 1d4 slashing damage and regaining the amount of the amount rolled in sorcery points, or choose to increase the spell roll or save roll by plus one on my next roll in lieu of getting those sorcery points. I have Predatory Charm. As an action, I can magically beguile a creature and uh, have advantage on all charisma checks made against the target. Oh. Minor illusion, press the digitation, as you were, which is a blood and doom spell from Kobold, uh, which allows a corpse to look completely unharmed or uninjured, appearing alive and sleeping. Great control. Ew. Yeah. I would call that smooth operator, but... Well, you, you'll see it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, so you uh, murder somebody, and then you just make it look like they're sleeping, so like... When their wife comes home well, or from you can, being out with the girls, she's like, hey, honey, 
oh, why isn't he answering? And then when the spell wears off, she sees that his throat's been torn so, off. So you could totally kill somebody and say, if you'd like your wife alive, you kill the wife of uh, your enemy. Yeah. If you'd like your wife alive, you know, here she is. We need X, Y, Z. You give it to him. She's dead. Okay. So, <laughs> here she is. She's alive. Here's a picture of her. She no, looks no, no, no. Not a, not a picture. You straight up are holding her. He sees her. She oh, looks like Weekend of Bernie style. And then once you leave and, and, the, and the spell's out of range, then all of her damage, maybe you did rip her throat out. Well, now he sees that. You probably did though, didn't you? Yeah, I ripped the throat out. So yeah, press the digitation as you were. And then I also have Doom of the Cracked Shield, uh, which basically you cast it on a weapon, your mm-hmm. enemy's weapon. They go and they use it. If it's not magical... You can use it on a weapon or a shield. It'll crack. Completely oh. becomes... Is there any save? No. No save. Wow. So you just use it and you Cast break on a melee shield. weapon. The next time that weapon's used, it destroys the target's non-magical shield or damages the non-magical armor in, in addition to the normal effects of the attack. If the foe is using a non-magical shield, it crumbles into sawdust and rust. That'd really ruin your day. Yeah. And then you're not wearing any clothes under that armor and you're just naked on the battlefield. Doom of Dancing Blades, great battlefield control. Mirror Image, as we know, creates several illusions of yourself. Major Image, Blood and Steel, which when you use this spell, you cut your hand, take 1d4 slashing damage, can't be healed until a long rest. Then you touch a construct. It must make a successful constitution saving throw or be charmed by me for the duration. If my allies are frightening fighting the construct it has advantage on a saving throw even constructs that are immune to charm can be affected by this spell when the construct is charmed i have a telepathic link with it as long as the two of us are on the same plane of existence you can use this telepathic link to issue commands to the creature while you are conscious which it does its best to obey pretty great control there let me introduce you to blood tide when i cast this spell the targeted creature must succeed on a con saving throw or bleed from its nose ears and mouth the bleeding causes no damage but imposes a negative two penalty on the creature's intelligence charisma and and wisdom checks blood tide has no effect on undead constructs and a bleeding creature might also attract the attention of creatures such as sturges, sharks, or giant mosquitoes, depending on the circumstances. A cure wound spell stops the bleeding before the spell's duration expires, as does a successful DC 10 wisdom medicine check. Cool, right? I would Great like to see giant mosquitoes show up in the middle of a fight just because this guy's bleeding yeah. from everywhere. So, do- Doom of the Earth and Maw, basically the Earth kind of eats people up. There is a save against it. Sanguine Horror, right? I construct this just disgusting thing out of blood. And I frighten people. So this is all in your control? Yeah. Flexible casting allows me to convert sorcery points into spell slots. So that's control. Wow. Plus two. That's a plus two. So I'm going to argue plus two on tankiness. I'm not going to... Yeah. Oh, I was going to say... I thought you were saying I'm going to argue plus two on control. Yeah, I'm not going to argue your control. You're a little, a little hypersensitive. A little bit. Yeah. Well, you got long lists here, man. You well, got a lot of spells. Well, here's the deal. Tank, tankiness is plus two. The AC is 12, but I have dark Whoa! Third. Listen, Whoa. I have Dark Thirst, which allows me to regain a spent hit die through a biting attack. I have Undead Resistance, which allows me advantage on saving throws against disease and resistance against necrotic damage. Yeah. I have Strength Beneath the Skin, which means when I take bludgeoning damage, I roll a d6 and subtract that from the total damage taken. And I also have the spell Blood Armor, which makes your... Basically, you know, you take a hit and then... Or you hit a guy, you cast a spell as a bonus action, and you basically, your AC becomes 17 because you have this construction of blood that is just protecting you. So the 18, the AC turns to 18 at that point. So plus two. Now, what are you arguing? Now, how often, I mean, how often can you do blood armor? How many, what's, what spell level is that? Third level spell, which um, I can tell you right now, I have, I have three third level spell slots. 
And you're not going to use them all on your blood armor. Well, but here's the deal. How many hit points here's do you have? Here's the deal. How in many a, hit points do you have? 60. So, now. Nah. So here's the this deal. This is a one. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. If I run out of spell slots and I feel like there's an applicable time for me to do this, I can go back into my control and uh, I can use flexible casting, which allows me to convert sorcery points into spell slots. So if I'm like, oh shit, I could really use blood armor right now, I'm going to spend those sorcery points, get the spell slot, and cast it. I think this is a one. I can make my AC at 18 pretty much at will. Now, you would, you would eventually expire on that. I think it's a little circumstantial, and at the end of the day, your AC is a 12. I've hurt your soul a little bit. And you have 60 hit points you're, at level 10. That's kind of low. You're kind of a bleeding heart right now. Uh, I'll take the plus one. All right. What do you, what do you have for taking this? I'm getting a plus two. Hmm. I got an AC of 15. That's unarmored, holding a shield. Mm. And I have 82 hit points. Uh, and I have, I'm an abjuration wizard. Yeah. So I have the arcane ward which allows me to project a barrier around myself that has 20 hit points. And it regains hit points equal to two times a spell level when I cast an abjuration spell. So what spell slot is this? This is my ability. You have an ability. Once per long rest, I can do this. Once per long rest. If it drops to zero and I cast an abjuration spell, it regains those hit points and it becomes active again. It's always there. So basically every day, it's there. If it drops to zero, I bring it back up. I have my arcane recovery. Which Until you run me out to... of spell slots and then you don't have any. I have my arcane recovery, which allows me to regain four spell slots worth of spells. So that could be two level two spell slots. And if I cast each of those, that would be eight hit points. I got to say, I love that ability. It's a great ability. Plus two. Thank you. It's a great ability. Now, let me tell you about how that applies to my friends. Because I can project that 30 feet to protect a friend if damage comes in on my friends. That same arcane ward. When I hit level six, I can move it just for one attack. I also have mass blade ward, one of my battle magic spells, which is a level two spell, and it does what blade ward does. It allows me to give three willing allies resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage for one round. I also have mage armor, and I have adjust position and repositioning. I think I'm very helpful to my friends. I can't heal them, but I can keep them alive Definite plus for a one. long time. Definite plus two. That's a good plus one. That's a that's a great plus two. Yeah, you can get plus two. It's really awesome. Oh, I'm gonna. Oh, I'm, I'm tearing gonna, through this thing. Now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna be real frank here. Are you in a minus one? Oh. I have a spell called. Because a vampire isn't friends to many people. No, and actually, part of the flaws of this race is that he really doesn't like humans. He has to learn. He had to learn to get along with humans. Had to learn human mannerisms and things like that. Uh-huh. Minus one because I have a spell called Stanch. 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 Stank. Stank. Could like be stank. stank. Could be stank. Cobalt. We'd it's love to know. Probably Stanch, but I stanch. like Stanch. Stanch. I like Stanch. What does Stanch mean? If it means to stop bleeding, that would be. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I should probably know that. I think it's staunch. No. No, it's Stanch. Google says staunch. There's no U. It's staunch. So, staunch the blood flow. Now I've heard that. So staunch. I'm editing that very little because we both sound really stupid talking about it. Staunch. I have stank, staunch, and, and stunk. Uh, <laughs> so this is this is a cobalt spell. Uh, it uh, the target blood coagulates rapidly so that a dying target stabilizes and any ongoing bleeding or wounding effect on the target ends. The target can't be the source of blood for any spell or effect that requires even a drop of blood. So basically, I can stabilize my dying friends with that spell. 
Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. kind of like Spare the Dying. Sure. That's cool. So, minus you get, one. You get your minus one. Yeah. You get your minus one. All right, so how balanced do you think Daniel Robbins, the half-vampire boy, is? I'm going to argue zero. Not very. Um, oh, does not have very many proficiencies. He has two proficiencies. He has a strength of 10, dex of 14, constitution of 11, intelligence of 12, wisdom of 14, charisma of 18. He has proficiencies in persuasion, insight. I apologize. He has three. Proficiency, perf- uh, persuasion, insight, and deception. I think that's a solid zero. His spellcasting modifier is charisma. Uh, the spell save DC is 16. So That's uh, pretty high. Yeah. You know, but AC of 12... You know, not not a very balanced guy, so I, I'll say zero. Fair zero. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd say it's a very fair zero. Okay, I'm not going to argue on that. All right, what do you got? I think I deserve a plus one. My guy's stats are strength of 14, dex of 14, con of 12, intelligence of 18, wisdom of 11, and charisma of 8. I mentioned before, super, super grizzled. But he is proficient in five things with a 8 in arcana, eight in history, eight in investigation, four in insight, and four in perception. His spellcasting modifiers intelligence, of course, as a wizard. So I think he's got it where he counts. He does have that strength, decent strength, and great intelligence. He doesn't need charisma where he's going. This Here's the deal. I'm going to give you a plus one. If Are you arguing a plus one? That's all I said. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and the reason you're not a plus two is because for role-playing situations, getting along with your own party... Uh, a charisma of eight can be a real problem. We made a couple of pariahs this time. Yeah. These would be the two worst friends there's ever been. These Absolutely. two guys. Well, this guy's a high elf. You're, you're half elf, aren't you? Half you're elf? half half elf. Half half. I mean, yeah. Well, no, half half elf. So yeah, quarter elf. You're quarter elf. Yeah, but super attractive. Yeah. So sexy. My um, guy is very scarred. And I think I mentioned stripped from the waist down. Really sinewy. Sure. Well, yeah, real, real Michael. Like if Michael real, Phelps had pointy ears... This is like straight out of a romance novel. Oh, novel. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to move on to uh, Smooth Operator, if you don't mind. I'm going to argue a plus two. Ooh. Uh, Charisma of 18. Have that blood and steel spell, as I had explained before. Proficiency in persuasion at a plus eight. Plus six on insight. Plus eight on deception. I also have that predatory charm. I have that as you were spell. Uh, mm-hmm. And also the major image spell. So all of those things could really come in handy as a smooth operator. Yeah, no, I mean, this guy would definitely be able to work his way around situations. How, how He doesn't like people, but how does he deal with them? So so this is all learned behavior. He's He has learned to adapt to just doing what people what he thinks people like so he uses his good looks as well as his basically he's a social manipulator Mm -hmm. um to get what he wants um so he pretends like he likes people he does not though right so people think he's friendly and he has no problem killing people of course i I thought so i mean most exsanguinating exsanguination yeah no problem all right what do you have you smooth operator you i think i deserve a plus two as well I've got the danger sense from my barbarian, which allows me to get a advantage on deck saves with a trap. I know five languages. I have, well, my charisma is an eight. Sure. But my investigation... <laughs> so you can look at traps and speak five languages. My investigation is an eight. My insight is a four. My perception is a four. My arcana, my history is an eight. I can figure problems out pretty easily. Yeah. I also have yep. safe haven which is part of my faction agent ability, which is a secret network of supporters and operatives 
and they would know the signs. It allows free room and board wherever I go. They won't go out of their way to help me directly, but yeah, basically I'm I can go, go ahead in any and, city go and I can be like, there. Yeah, here are my boys. Yeah, I'm gonna Let's stop go to there. my secret hideout. Yeah, I'm going to stop you there. He-Man Woman Haters this is, Club. This is a zero. This is a one at least. No. This is a zero. You you can find traps, speak five languages. and I go to any city and I have a home base? Yeah. I, you know... They have had characters that can go to churches and they heal. I mean, it's the, they, they go to the weirdest churches imaginable. This is a this, this is, is a home base, no matter where I go. Yeah, because no. the, the bone gate is everywhere. That's great, ally assist, buddy, but not good smooth operation. No, not gonna get it here. Zero. I'm gonna take it just because I rolled that 18 on that previous roll before, so this about breaks me even. All right, so my spitting fire. I have got one spell left in the tank for you, and it is called instant siege weapon. This is a level four spell, and through this spell, you instantly transform raw materials into a siege engine. If I want to get something done, this is how I'm going to go about do it. You collect the materials or you use them from someone else. Basically, the Dungeon Master's Guide on page 255 has a list of siege engines that you could create, like a ballista or a cannon. Now a ballista has an armor class of 15, it has 50 hit points, and it fires bolts that do a plus six to hit with 3d8 piercing damage so this is all i'm putting i could have found other things to put into my spitting fire but this is such a cool spell this is a ritual that i can do so i can do it as many times as i want i could create a whole army of ballistas cannons rams knock down doors trebuchet which is arguably one of the best that's pretty cool that does 8d10 bludgeoning damage woohoo with 150 hit points. I'd imagine, I'd imagine that's an awful lot of raw materials. So, I mean... It would be a lot of raw materials. I can make a siege tower. Yeah. I mean, so in practicality sense, I mean, you'd may be able to do one of these things. But I, if I see the materials, I can use them. So if I'm in a city... How fast, how fast can this be constructed with this spell? It takes an hour. Right. So not great. But if I'm in a city... And they have the materials. But a lot of times... I can make a siege tower out of their materials great. and then attack their king's but like, castle. But like this discussion, a lot of times things escalate rather quickly and you need to think on your feet. How does your guy do in that situation? Thunderous Wave. I agree. Fantastic spell. Great spell for that. Yes. So I Thunderous Wave all the blue-collar workers away from the wood and the stone. And then I take an hour while I they're mean, on you, the ground you blast, you blast through a door in a dungeon and you just cast that and everybody clears uh-huh awesome and then i sit down and i make a mangonel obviously why are you looking at me like that <laughs> because i mean how long are these people going to be incapacitated for while you just construct this mangonel well they hit their head on the wall they took 2d6 bludgeoning damage they're stunned and i say stunned for you know maybe a couple rounds of uh -huh. battle and i just go to town on all of their raw materials oh uh sorry this he's uh He's not in battle right now. He's he's constructing a mangonel. He'll be done. We're not always in battle in this game, Dan. When you cast Thunderous Wave, you're in battle, friend. When I cast Thunderous Wave, that battle is over because they do not want any more of what I got. I cast Thunderous Wave. They're all on the ground. I cast Boiling Oil. They're all I'm telling you, up I'm on telling the ground. I'm telling you right now, the case that you gave me was I cast Thunderous Wave and then I spent an hour building something out of raw materials. And I'm not breaking a sweat. I'm building it with my mind. Yeah. Like that, Dane DeHaan and Chronicle. Right, and they're, and they're just they're just sitting there going like, are you going to help or are you just going to sit there and think about this weapon for another 55 minutes? 
and then it is going to run some serious game on some campus. What are you arguing? This plus is two. Absolutely not. That's a plus two. No, it's not. Thunderous Wave and this spell, which is extremely conditional. Cool, yes. Conditional, though, it, you'd have to have the time in order to plan. You're getting a zero because you can totally use that Thunderous Wave. But there isn't much else to it. I thought that spell was cool. It's a great spell. All right, I'm done. Okay. Uh, my Spitting Fire, I'm arguing a plus one. I have the Sanguine Horror. Construct that terrifying thing out of blood, uh -huh. which basically it'll frighten somebody. Yeah. Um, I also have Bloodshot, which is incredibly intimidating. Boiling hot blood coming from my eyes. And then I, of course, have the plus four to Intimidation. I think that's an easy plus one. Plus four to Intimidation? Sure. Plus four to Intimidation, Sanguine Horror, and Bloodshot. Yeah, yeah, because the because of the cool factor there. Right. Boiling I'm not, hot blood. I, I'm not going to pretend that if I was on the other end of that, I would keep going back after you shot boiling blood into my eyes. Sure, and I mean, this guy, it comes off very charming, right? So he'll walk in and he is he's always going to be the smooth operator first. But if somebody crosses his path the wrong way, right? He will shoot boiling hot blood out of his eyes and you won't forget it. I think you just said your X factor there. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that is can be wrapped right into it. What's your X factor? Well, my X factor is... While I will admit that playing a very uncharismatic character is not the most appealing thing because the more I play this game, the more I want to do those rich role-playing sessions. Sure. But the way this guy is like the last sentinel between, you know, you and death, and he stands there in front of you while you're on the ground bleeding out and defends against an oncoming dragon or whatever, that's my boy right there. And that's why I really like this character. He's got some great protective abilities and his ability to change a battlefield the way he does with these badass battle magic spells i will would be i will doing. agree a, a guy that can teleport his friends to a different place that is such battlefield control and it's a complete game changer you get you get ambushed by some kobolds or they're not you know at a low level kobolds at a high level hill giants mm -hmm. um it's a game changer yeah awesome character garen what are, what do we uh what do we have today i have taken this competition nine to six Wow. Uh, this this had to have been probably the most fun that I had building a character. Cobald, thank you again for making wonderful third-party materials. Again, check out uh, Unlikely Heroes, which is a supplement uh, with races, as well as the entire 13 Deep Magic series modules um, available on koboldpress.com. They've got some really fantastic stuff out there that we haven't even obviously touched in, and we haven't even got to all the stuff that are in these. You're going to get a couple dozen spells and several feats. I took a feat. You used one of the origins for your sorcerer, the blood magic. Correct. Um, and also, the races that are featured in the Unlikely Heroes uh, have racial feats. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I listed here are just racial treat, uh, racial feats. Uh, and it gives a lot of uh, uh, flavor to the flaws of those races as well. So just really rich content. And uh, we really, really implore you to check it out. Congratulations to our two winners that will be announced today on Twitter. One of you is getting the Blood and Doom supplement, and one of you is getting the Battle Magic supplement. We will choose those randomly, and we will tell you which one you got when you're announced as a winner. Thank you guys so much for listening. The show is a blast to make. Dan and I are becoming geekier and nerdier and loving this content more and more as we make this show. And next week, we are going to be back with a new type of episode. Tell them what we're going to do. So we are going to theme this episode with the characters come across 10,000 gold pieces and how do they spend it? So Where did they get it? All that. And we are going to be rolling now for level... 
four characters. Okay. So, so these two level four characters are going to have 10,000, which is an obscene amount of gold for a level four character. Absolutely. But uh, that is what we're going to have for next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Garen. And I'm Dan. And if you guys don't know where to find us on Twitter, we are at DND Character Lab. And remember, guys, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Have a great week, guys. This has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. Or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app.